So you said you had a podcast. Uh-huh. The Eye of the Storm. The Eye of the Storm. Made it seven episodes. Yeah. It's it pretty was, cool. It was fun. It was cool. I mean, we tried to do it like full on where it was like uh, we got film and we had it. We tried to make it look pretty slick with Professional. the branding uh, yeah. and everything. But well, you're good at that visual stuff, stuff, though. Yeah. It's what I do, I guess. Yeah. You, you've done animation for a long time now. Yeah, it's been actually. It's funny. I think I started when we were living together. Living together, and then I did video before that a little bit, but yeah, not the animation work till then. That's cool because you were like mentoring with some dude who was (laughs) doing it for a long time. Yeah, and then I got this job doing. It was supposed to be for a website down in Springville, Uh and then it was supposed to be for like website maintenance plus some graphic design stuff. Oh, and okay. Then, uh, and then they're like, "Do you know After Effects? Like animation work and all like yeah. special effects." Adobe, with, yeah, Adobe. Uh, and then I was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna have you do this project." And I did the first one, and they liked it enough, so I kept doing it, and then got better and better at it, which is awesome. Sweet. Yeah, sweet. that's hard stuff. I just yeah. like I I just wanted to see how hard it was. So yeah. I like tried to make some videos and I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty difficult. <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't know. There's something about the layout that I, that just is intuitive to me. Like the, the user interface on yeah. After Effects that like really is intuitive for my brain. And then everything else is just kind of like, do I want to do it or not? So I'll just figure it out. But is that what you're still doing now? Yeah. You it's still mainly working. After Effects and video uh, editing and animation. Mm-hmm. Do you work for the same company or do you... I actually just uh, ended that with that company in June and then um, I've been doing freelance since then. Oh, sweet. It's been nice. Is that better? It's, uh, I haven't actually, I've probably earned a little bit less, but it's like, I tell up to me time-wise and yeah. so, I mean, I well, could So it's up to you time-wise, but also you more. like to get your own clients and clientele. Yeah. Is that hard? Uh, thus far, it's probably like I could have put a little bit more effort into it, but it's been most people just come to me because they know that I do animation and like logo design and yeah. outro, that kind of work. So it's been more smaller projects, but actually tomorrow or yesterday <clears throat> I, I signed with a company and uh, tomorrow we're going to start doing kind of a bigger project for their marketing launch so that was sweet yeah i'm excited about it that's cool (laughs) i'll have to hire you at some point probably yeah i'm like coming out with a couple of different things i'm doing a couple of different things well one this podcast and this is just for fun though this is kind of like not really business yeah it's just like whatever um but i'm like 90 percent sure probably 95 percent sure i'm gonna start a school oh really yeah like a grade school and i'm gonna like build up from grade school through high school and is this your own curriculum or your own program? Or it's a it? private school. It's based off of an established school already. Oh, um, what's it called? <clears throat> so the established school is Apogee. Yeah. I wonder so if that's I haven't, what I'm I haven't signed with them yet. Yeah. But like, Do you I, have have to apply? I have the option. Is that like a, a, I had to apply. I yeah. had to go through like a background. Like they checked like background and everything. You have to answer a bunch of questions. Uh-huh. And then now it's just kind of like I'm 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 in, yeah. but I gotta I gotta decide if that's like really what's gonna be good for me right now. But I think I feel really good about it. Yeah, like I've been thinking, giving it a lot of thought. 
And just like with my daughter, she's going to be going into that in like three years. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I want to build up something that I can feel really good about her doing for her education. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, that, no, that's smart. My, my friends, is it, is it a nationwide thing? It's kind of like, no. So, <clears throat> well, so the, the guy who started that, uh-huh. um, came from Acton, Acton Academy. Uh-huh. And so he branched off of Acton Academy and started Apogee. Okay. And so that's down in, there's only one campus at this point and it's down oh. in, um, by the time this airs, I, I should probably have signed. <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think it'll be an issue. But there's only one uh, there's only one campus right now, and that's down in Cedar Park, uh-huh. uh, Texas. Texas. Yeah, and so he does it with Tim Kennedy down there. And I don't know if you know who Tim Kennedy is yeah. like a big yeah. uh, special ops dude. Yeah. But Super so cool, those two guys run this academy and um, as one of their things that they do. And so they are doing an affiliate program for uh-huh. a bunch of other people um, nationwide. And it's cool. Like they they had a bunch of people apply. They narrowed it down, you know, pretty rigorously, I think. And so, yeah, I feel good about being able to do it. And yeah. I think it'll I think it'll be really good for me. Um, I don't think it, I don't see it as like a money making business opportunity, but I do see it as like one of those things that if I can get it more, more or less self-sustaining, it'll be very meaningful for me to have done that, you yeah. know, and then, and then I could do it at, you know, multiple campuses if I want to or whatever. Super cool. I mean, what's the, what's the curriculum? Like, is it a different education style or the adapting is. like new forms of like experiential education. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Everything's changing so much in very, education sphere. Very experiential. We haven't gone through like the whole curriculum yet because that's like in the training. So once yeah, we like sign up to do it, like they'll, they'll walk us through like how they do everything. Right. But the nuts and bolts of it is that it's student run. Yeah, dude. This and sounds exactly like what my, my friend out in California is about to start one. Oh, sweet. I don't know if it's like if they have applicants from California and they're just going. Oh, they, they do. They do. It might yeah. be the same. Like all states. I just don't know what the the name Yeah, I don't know. Called, there's a, there's, a, there's the a couple different ones. There's a couple uh-huh. different ones. Acton is the big one. Acton is like the uh, kind of like the big gorilla in the space, okay, right? um, yeah. for, for this t- style of learning. Yeah. So these guys, one of my questions for them is why they actually broke off of Acton. Mm-hmm. Because I don't really know the differences of what they wanted to do versus what they were doing with Acton Academy. Mm. I don't know, right? And so this is just one of those things that I, I just need to educate myself on more. Mm. But in how they're doing it, it's more, and it's really up to me too. So my individual campus that I'm starting, it I have, you know, I can go based on their curriculum, but I can make any changes I want. Yeah. You know, based on, you know, the students, the yeah. location, the area, mm. you know, all of that. Yeah. And so- it's very Socratic where you're allowing these kids. So imagine you have like a, a group of like 20 kids mm-hmm. in this class and say they're like six to 11 or something like that. And you can break these kids up into tribes, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so each tribe of like four or five will elect a tribe leader mm-hmm. within their tribe and everybody gets a vote. And so they elect one leader and they get to like kind of debate like, 
How do we, you know, choose a leader for our tribe? If that tribe gets kind of out of hand or power hungry or, you know, abuses their power at all, they can be removed as a leader and put somebody else in as leader yeah. based on what the tribe wants. Yeah. And so That's it's a cool. very, it's a very like, we're giving them the power and then the leaders will come together to kind of, um, enact different directions for the class and what they want to do. So you bring like them a question like, uh, every day they get to decide do a or do B, you know, this is what we're going to, going to spend some time on today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be a really simple decision. Like we're either going to go outside and play soccer or we're going to play tennis, you know, we're going to learn one of these sports or whatever. Yeah. yeah it doesn't matter. It's, it's just like, you're giving them an option to choose something. Yeah. And so these tribe leaders will come together, they'll, they'll debate. And usually the way I understand it anyway, these options are opposites more or less. So it could actually be like play soccer or read books, you know, or oh, something okay. like that. It's like, we're going to have this hour set aside for like reading time and study time yeah. or play time, you know? So, and the like, teachers give that option to the student yeah. leader. So, so leader. there's never, it's, and it's always student run. So, Students are self-directed. They get to go at their pace. They get to learn what they want to learn. They get to, you know, really, and and you help them. Yeah, you, it's you help if you guide could, them. If you could facilitate that better, but kids are curious. There's man, never a time where the the student is sitting in a desk and having to like listen to a lecture uh, from the teacher. Uh, that's just not how it is because that's, that's not how life is. Like that, you know. Yeah. This is preparing them for life to do things to learn things that interest them to kind of, you know, and so they'll be able, like there's things like Khan Academy. So you might have some time set aside for math and they can, you know, learn how to use Khan Academy and learn certain math principles. Yeah. Right. Via that. And it's, it's all based on, and how they learn these things is based on like where their current understanding is. And so they get to go at their own pace and it's very much one-on-one type of thing. And if they have questions, they can ask questions, Yeah, you know, but this is, this is kind of like, you don't tell them what books to read. They just get to pick their books that they're interested in because it's really, it's not about what they're learning in the books. It's about instilling the love of reading. Yeah. Cause would you rather than like read a bunch of books that you want them to read that they're probably not going to retain anyway for a few years right. or instill a love of reading that there's going to follow them for the rest of their lives that they're always going to be like expanding their, yeah. I'd be curious to know what the current school system, like how many people actually fall into that naturally and are good at it. Like my, my older sister was really good at kind of the agrarian, you know, the school system that we have or that we had grown up, but I wasn't like super good at it and I was good enough to pass through it all. But yeah, it seemed like most people weren't like super savvy on lectures or reading assignments or whatever. No, well, it was just like maybe one fifth of the students were really. I think the able. problem is, is when you like force them to it and it's good. So there's, there's like a give and take here mm-hmm. because it's good to instill doing hard things. And like you want them to learn how to do hard things and to enjoy doing hard things. Yeah. yeah. You just have to make those hard things rewarding, you know? Right writing a paper and reading a book that you don't care about and then having to write a paper on it and take a test <laughs> has like zero reward it's, at the end of that. It's so weird that actually you lose interest in something that I feel like you would otherwise maybe be interested in. Yeah. That's how it was for me. At least in college, I, I observed that. I was like, I'm kind of interested in this subject, 
And then they gave me an assignment, and now I'm not super interested. Yeah, well, people are really interesting because they will do extraordinarily difficult things for something that they want to learn more about or that they want to try or test out or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like you just have to help them find what those things are and give them the ability to see that they can actually enact that change in their lives and, and go and do this. Yeah. And so that's, that's what, that's what it's all about. And again, I haven't gone through the training. I don't, I don't even know if I'm explaining it very well. Blasphemy. (laughs) But that's how I understand it. No, that's cool. At at my very basic level at the moment. Sounds like a fulfilling thing to to pursue it. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I love that. And I'm going to have a lot of help along the way. So it's not just going to be me. Thank heavens. Because I think that would be like, "Ah, I don't, I don't know if I want to, but there's people who have done this. There's people, you know. And so you just kind of like go and you see what you want to enact in your campus uh-huh. and what you buy into. And you say, that's going to be really good for the kids. So here's one thing that I, I don't think that they do currently, but I actually would love to do this um, in, in my school. During the summers or the breaks or whatever, I'd love to take a week or two weeks and give the students and their parents the opportunity to go on a an abroad trip mm-hmm. and learn about something some historical event or some cool business or some um really big thing that's happening in the world right now mm-hmm. you know and yeah. go and actually see what's going on or learn about what happened or whatever and talk to people who have been involved and who have studied these to whatever degree the student is at, it could be very young and very simplistic, you know, mm-hmm. things, but it's really giving them that experience to be able to travel and see different things and see different yeah. areas and give the parents that opportunity to like go out with their kids and do these trips that people really just don't do, Yeah, you know, yeah. but if you can organize that and give them that from a very young age and being able to actually go places and see things and talk to different types of people, like that's super empowering. <laughs> right. I think. I agree. I agree. I don't actually have a, well, cause I guess we all grew up with a different, uh, experience in that regard, but I, I think I grew up going, traveling to different places here and there, not like super foreign, but, yeah. but enough to understand that, you know, people are thinking different. So I, I, I don't even know what it's like to think outside that way, but I have noticed in, in my adulthood that I, I feel like I tend to be a little bit more like open-minded to other cultures perhaps than mm-hmm. some of the people around me, which is, which is interesting. I just thought that was maybe the way we grew up, but thinking back on it, we traveled everywhere. You so. probably, you probably had some experiences that helped with that. I would imagine. Yeah. In your travels. Yeah. I know families who have never gone like more than a couple hours away from home. Like yeah, their entire lives. So that was because uh, I, I, I just assumed everybody was like me, but like we went to most states. I think we went to like forty-eight states, and then Canada and Mexico and some other places. But, yeah, like even yeah. in my growing up years, it's like I traveled around like Idaho, Utah, you know, areas. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad grew up in California, so we'd take a trip to California every year, Southern California. Yeah. And that was like our big trip. Yeah. You know, we just didn't really go like outside of what we knew mm-hmm. and the places that like my dad grew up and like, you know, Disneyland, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
we didn't really go to new places growing up. And I didn't really start that until I was in college. Yeah. You've been to quite a few places. I've been to a lot of places, Yeah, but that's very intentional. And like, there's a huge world out there that I have, I've barely seen any of it. It's so crazy. You ever been up in an airplane and you're just like looking down at all the industry, like when you're landing a place and you're like, there's people just operating that machine down there or like on this boat right there. And it's just like, this is a huge world. And there's so many different. Yeah. That's actually one thing I believe in. And one reason I really wanted to start this podcast is I think everybody has a very interesting perspective on life Uh and everybody lives an interesting life in some regard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool to hear what their life is. That's a, that's actually a thought I've had because some, sometimes I think people can get maybe even too attached to like, you have to leave Utah Valley and you, you know, like to live and in order to experience things outside the world. And I, I agree. It's like, it's good to travel and open your mind to different cultures, et cetera. But there's also, it's like exploring outer space versus exploring microbiology. You know, yeah. it's like there, there's a ton of different variances within human beings just like on your street you know and, and like there's there's a ton to explore there i mean the human brain is just like what the most it's the most complex thing in the entire universe that we know of yeah so yeah we don't understand it right no like not I, at all you know when we think about things that we don't understand like consciousness is one of those things. Like we don't understand what consciousness is. Like we are here, we're talking, we recognize that each other is a conscious being, but we also recognize like this lamp is not, you know? Yeah. But it might be, we don't know. Maybe it just can't communicate to us that it is. It's a lamp, you know, it's about to jump around, crush the eye. But like some animals we think are conscious, like my dog it is yeah. probably a conscious being and understands more or less what's going on. It understands it wants to follow me and yeah. you know, it's like I'm its family. Muscle memory, so but yeah. an ant might not be conscious. Or is it? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, you probably looked into those like hive mind kind of like yeah. Yeah, have you seen that yeah. like, on planet Earth and whatever else? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Super crazy. Mm-hmm. Different. And we don't get it. And so it's like people could see that. And say, oh, I don't understand this. It just must be some, because even in like disease, like germs, things that you can't see, but you can observe to some degree, right? You can observe what a germ is and what it does, like bacteria or whatever. Um, Consciousness is like totally unobservable. You can't observe consciousness. Yeah, you can only meta. experience it. It's all, it's a metaphysical thing that it's just like this spiritual or. Yeah. So what, like, what does the salt taste like? <laughs> you know, physics, uh-huh. chemistry, you know, we just don't have like an ability to understand consciousness in mm-hmm. any of our sciences. And so yeah. that makes me wonder, it's like, is there actually a case for God? And is something like consciousness the actual case for God? Uh, I mean, I I think so. I mean, if it's so complex, like consciousness is such a, yeah, it's in that meta world, which we don't have instruments. We don't have anything to really detect it, let alone the fact that it's so complex and it's up kind of for interpretation, a relative, I guess, definition, then yeah. 
I agree. I, I, I think that's the, the mere fact that we don't know much anything about it just gives way to the fact that there's so much more out there. And yeah. a case for God, like you said. But, yeah. You know what makes me you, you know what makes me wonder is why people are so sure. Why they're so positive. Yeah. On like, oh, there's definitely a God or there's definitely not. Yeah. Because I have faith that there's a God. Like I feel like I've I've had experiences that lead me to believe that there's a God. Yeah. But for people who are like, there's one hundred percent absolutely a God, no doubt in my mind, that's like a knowledge. Like <laughs> Faith is not knowledge. They're different things. Yeah, yeah. And then, likewise, the people are like, there's absolutely no way that there is a God. Like, I am 100% like an atheist. I will <laughs> never believe in a higher being. It's just darkness when we die. Right. It's like, you're very confident about something that you've never experienced and that we have absolutely zero knowledge on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's. It's not an empirical knowledge base to say, I know for sure there's a God or no, for sure there isn't. It's it's kind of almost a prideful thing to be militant either way. Yeah. You know, about what you believe in that regard. Like, for example, like when people use examples in church, you know, you go to a church and then they say something like, and I got in a car crash and had I not, you know, felt like this way or that way I could have I could have been hit and killed or the truck hit the front of my car and I could have been killed if it was like a split second earlier you know that kind of stuff and then they'll conclude and I know that that's why there's a God and I I always kind of see that and I'm like maybe in their case you know they there was a reason for that or maybe you could say there's a case for God in all aspects but what about the person that did get killed in the car? Mm -hmm. You know, they could conclude that means there is no God. And so it's like, the, that, ask them though, that isn't the, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or their family members conclude that there is no God. But the, the, the point I guess I'm making is that there's, that's not what people suggest as evidence for or against God is rarely evidential. It's not an empirical evidence. It's not a knowledge. You have to have an experience experience for yourself and know that for me things like, work and I don't I can't say this as as empirical evidence for the case of God because for other people the exact same thing happened and it turned out completely different yeah so yeah. so I've, I've talked to a few people on here who have been members of the church or religious in some capacity and who are no longer religious but then they are still like what they consider spiritual. So they believe in an entity or they believe in a God. Maybe they don't believe in a particular religion or a set of doctrines around that God. Hmm. And what's interesting to me is that it really is about personal experience. I guess you could say personal witness, like something that you have actually gone through mm -hmm. um, to lead you one way or another. Yeah. I don't think you can third party observe this argument and come to a conclusion right. definitively. Yeah. No, I think you have to come from the, you have to approach it with your own experience. That's, I, I wish the vernacular could change in all circles to, in my experience, 
this is what I've, you know, been through. And that's why I feel like there's a God or not a God or, or whatever, you know, the denomination that you currently participate in. I don't know. I, I just feel like personal testimonies are the, the most persuasive yeah. when it comes to that kind of stuff, because yeah, otherwise people have gone through similar experiences and not had the same what are outcome. S- what are some of your experiences that you've had that would indicate to you that there is a God? Um, that's a good question. I would say, uh, personal experiences that would indicate that there is a God. You've, you've come to that conclusion. Yeah. You believe that. I have. And I think that it, I've kind of done a lot of A-B testing back and forth. And sometimes even after I've seen evidence that belief in God and following a certain set of moral ethics based off of what I would say are his commandments, um, even after that, I see evidence of that working in my life. I've oftentimes gone back to not <laughs> applying those things. Test, testing, <laughs> testing the fruits. Yeah, testing the fruits. Exactly. So yeah. I, uh, going back and forth, <clears throat> one particular thing is I've found that if I don't apply what I know, what I need to do uh, daily, so it's kind of, it's, it's a uh, coincidental, or I guess it's a kind of perfect that this podcast is called the consistent man, because if I don't apply <clears throat> certain daily tasks for myself that I feel like came from God to me, like in, during times of spiritual reflection, when I don't do those things, I, I'm not in a good place and it catches up with me with, within like two, three weeks. And if I am consistent with those things, then I'm, I do really well. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more interested, Uh less about the, um, daily tasks and more about the communication that Mm. you alluded to that God has given you these things during times of trial or tribulation or, you oh know, yeah, because yeah. you had mentioned you had mentioned that you're like yeah like God gave me this to do. Hmm. I think that's yeah. probably more important. Than yeah, that's true. I think most people would say, well, you can apply you know wisdom from the ages yeah. even if you don't believe in God. Uh, I would say that came to me because uh, when I yeah when I'm struggling to connect with people and I guess myself, I've oftentimes gone to prayer in almost like a meditative way. So I have Tourette's, um, which we can talk about, but I, if I can hold still for long enough, then, then oftentimes I get into this place where I can pray and feel something that isn't, I guess, of this world. And it feels to me like that's, I mean, a lot of people could suggest that that, that is a, 
I don't know. I, I've known people who have done mushrooms and I know other people that have, you know, had psychedelic experiences and they, they say it's the same, same feeling as you get when you're having a spiritual experience, say on your LDS mission or reading the book of Mormon or the Bible. Um, but what I guess my response to that would be is what is it that released the chemistry in my brain? You know, I I don't, like I said before, it wasn't the meditation that I went through. It was, it was almost like there were certain truths that I thought about that I was receptive to that when I said, I guess, hopefully in humility, yeah, that seems true, or I'd like to know if that's true, then the same chemistry or the same chemical is released as if, like, say, a dopamine or oxytocin or something. It's the same chemical that is released as as when you take, like, a certain medication or when you exercise or when you, even if you didn't done psychedelic drugs, and what my question to them would be is what releases that chemical? And I don't find that it's nostalgia. I don't find that it's anything external. It seems to me that it's something spiritual and it can pretty... Uh, it, it, to me, it's obvious that it's telling me what's true and what's not. Mm. Yeah. Have you, so I, I, I brought up this, this thing, faith is different than knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned humility in that whole spiel yeah. of when you're going through this process, I think faith, having faith requires us to be humble, having faith in something. Yeah. And I think that's a key element to feeling that feeling. Um, whether, whether it's that you are very vulnerable in a drug-induced state of like, you know, mushrooms or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or whether you are submitting to whatever it is that yeah. spiritual being through meditation right. and prayer, mm-hmm. I think you're humbling yourself um, exactly. to be able to communicate with whatever intelligence there is to communicate with. Right. And I think that's the difference, which is interesting because you could, you could have the same feeling on mushrooms, but then you could also observe why did I have that, that spiritual experience um, by praying or meditating or, or trying to be humble, like you said. And I think it is the, the humility is the, perhaps the difference um, because you're, somebody told me once that it's like, well, you, what you define as the spirit, I would say, is oxytocin. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know. There's something to me that suggests that the humility of saying whatever it is out there that can provide this sense of peace within me, I'm willing to accept that um, guidance or that thing as like a higher power. Yeah. And then... And then it provides it somehow. So I don't know. Yeah. It's really interesting because a lot of times when people talk about their spiritual experiences, they talk about an actual communication with another entity. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, even if it were just yourself having this experience of like feeling peaceful or oxytocin or whatever, that doesn't explain another entity talking to you or communicating with you in some way. It's like, I, yeah. I received knowledge from outside myself somehow. Yeah. And it's like, where did that come from? Right. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so it's like, you know, we talk about spirits, we talk about good or bad spirits, ghosts, demons, poltergeists, you know, people believe yeah. in these things. Um, but then there's angels, you know, and, and yeah. good and good spirits. Yeah. I think it's, this is one of those metaphysical, um, topics that are, it's difficult to define, but I, I would say I use the term wholesomeness. Mm. There, there's something that from, I guess, when I put my faith in the, the God of my understanding, it feels more of a wholesomeness, like a peace versus like other spirits that kind of may bring up fear or anxiety anxiety or, yeah, yeah, or even like excitement, you know, those kinds of feelings don't really pale in comparison to the, the feeling that I feel like I get with, uh, when I sink my spirit to the, the creator. Yeah. Hmm. Do you, um, do you have any desire to try the psychedelic route at any point? This is interesting that you'd ask me that because I actually have. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. Um, the big, the biggest reason is I've, so I have been twitching since I was like 20 years old. Yeah, your and, Tourette's. Yeah. By the way, that's like one of the first things that you told me is that I have Tourette's. Oh, really? Yeah. When we first met? Yeah, because my blinking. Oh, yeah, you do the blinking thing. That's yeah, funny. I, I blink very exaggeratedly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. No, I. I that's funny. I. I. Uh, yeah, one of the first things I tell a lot of people if I'm going to be close to them for extended periods of time is that I have Tourette's. Meaning, I'm not like. Shouting uh, obscenities. Shouting, yeah, profanity or doing crazy stuff. Every once in a while, you you might have heard it on this recording. It's just like <laughs> little things Actually, with my throat. But you know most what? of the time, I'm twitching with my you, arms. You are doing surprisingly um, better now mm-hmm. than I ever remember you doing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Which is, I, in, which, which is interesting. I'm, I'm really curious on. Uh, I would say let's give most credit to the fact that I'm trying to hold still for the microphone. Okay. You know, so I'm not like <laughs> all over the place. Um, but I also have been exercising the last like 100 days straight. So that nice. helps. So the, yeah, the big things that help me are exercise and, and um, I take cold showers. I try to ice bath as much as I can. And then does that help? Yeah, I think it, it does. At least it gives me the feeling that not, not as much is wrong to adjust. So the, the main, what Tourette's, in my experience, is, is an OCD where I'm trying to fix my body. I'm obsessive about not atrophying. Mm. Um, and so I, I try to adjust my body when I feel like it's atrophying or getting out of shape it's being too still <laughs> it's being too still so i'm i try to adjust that but when i do hold still for a long time uh actually i enter a kind of a state i would say where my brain is releasing naturally dmt which is what these psychedelics would um provide mm. and that 
so I, I did this twice this last, uh, June, um, per the guidance of uh, another guy that is, um, of my faith. I mean, on this podcast, you talk to people that are both LDS Mormon yeah. and not. Well, so I both. am, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ, but I feel like, uh, so he, he helped me, um, see that, oh, maybe we could try it without it feeling so wrong. <clears throat> but, um, and, you know, I didn't necessarily like pass it by my bishop or anything, but I did feel slightly more justified than most people because of the Tourette's. So I did this, but for the most part, you know, it, it gave me the same, I, I would say the same chemical, like overall physiological feelings as like a spiritual experience that I have, say, you know, just reading scripture or bearing did you, testimony. Did you do mushrooms or did you do ayahuasca? What did you do? Yeah, you know, it's just, yeah, mushrooms. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. Which is another thing. I think that's why I was like, like psilocybin. Uh, psilocybin. Okay. And they were just mushrooms. They're just dried mushrooms. So that was why I felt um, another reason why there's there's something that seems less natural to me about like inhaling smoke mm. or less natural about like a chemical. I know we were fine with pharmaceuticals, but this almost seemed which is really more interesting to me than pharmaceuticals that we are fine with pharmaceuticals, but not but with dried mushrooms. I, yeah. I, I I just have this belief that. And I think it's actually doctrine in the church that everything has its use. Everything in this world has a yeah. use. And we could abuse that thing, that substance, tobacco, alcohol, whatever it is. We could abuse that thing or we could use it what it's intended for and best suited for. Right. Yeah. And I think that that includes psilocybin and mushrooms yeah i i agree i and that's like <clears throat> before we started we um we were very intentional about this being a means or a, a tool to try to connect with god so that healing could take place rather than like i want to see what this does to you know recreationally or just to have fun i mean I mean, there's many things out there that you could use as an example of like, it's the right time to do this and it's the wrong time to do this. Or maybe, you know, kids aren't necessarily ready to expose themselves to certain movies or stories because they wouldn't understand the storyline and see just violence or mm, sexual yeah. things. Um, and yet maybe as an older person, you can get inspired by those things. So it would be something similar to that, I suppose. Like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, great movie. Super violent movie, but amazing. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, if, if it's something that you get triggered by violence, like in the war scene, and that doesn't lead you to doing good things, maybe it's something to avoid. But for me, that movie was inspiring because I could see what the life was like during world war two and yeah. and it gave me a perspective on the reality of, of life and have appreciation for people that fought so was that experience that you had with psilocybin was that a beneficial net positive i um i'm not sure i haven't gone back to do it i did it twice and i didn't go back to do it i guess because and the 
this is what I was going to say before is that it gave me the same physiological, I guess, release as a lot of the spiritual experiences I have, but I wasn't, but it seemed to kind of do it for me rather than seeking like a truth. I didn't feel like the same sense personally, and this is just my own experience because I know other people have had actually like genuinely good connection with their father in heaven on it. But for me, it felt less wholesome than when I've made the effort to say, hold still, like meditate despite Mm -hmm. my twitching, like the desire to twitch and seeking truth in a humble way. It was kind of like, I don't know how maybe to, maybe, maybe this is a really bad comparison, mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna you know say something like a car. It's almost like if you need a car mm-hmm. and somebody were to give you a car, gift it to you, right? And you just have this car. Versus if you were to right. go that's, and that's put in a lot of effort, you get a job, you save up, you plan out. I need this car by this date, mm-hmm. and you then go and buy that car with hard earned cash. Yeah. That car means something different to you in either experience. I think that's correct. And I would say that that would be, you know, I'm just talking from my own experience, but I, I don't value the things as much that I don't work for. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's kind of a principle across the board. Yeah. Uh, I think most people are that way. Yeah. And so sometimes I think, you know, God did provide like these mushroom psilocybin for maybe for certain medical reasons. You know, certain people have mental health issues. Like one of my friends, the guy that helped me with it, uh, I feel like he he actually needed it. You know, because no matter what he was doing, it wasn't working. But I found that for me, I can actually get to the same kind of level of uh, chemical release and spiritual experience without it if I put in some effort. And so if I have that opportunity, it seems like that's the route that I should take. If I have the opportunity to work for it and value it more than just like depending on something external. What are your thoughts on like, rather than having a, um, a trip, I guess, Mm -hmm. rather than taking full mushrooms or whatever it is, uh, do microdosing. And having some of the benefits of, I don't know if it calms you more or eases your anxiety or helps you focus in just from the microdose, but it doesn't give you any type of psychedelic experience because it's just not concentrated or powerful enough to do so. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about trying the microdosing versus doing a full, full on? Yeah. yeah, actually I have considered that and maybe it's something I will in the future because what I found I've been taking for the last three years, <clears throat> well, I was uh, Lexapro, which is like a <clears throat> anti-anxiety. It was most, it's supposed to be for the OCD Tourette's and such, but it's funny because it ironically made me kind of fatter. Oh. And so like, it was like a counterbalance to my obsession of not getting fat, <laughs> I guess, which is just a weird obsession. But it's, uh, I, t- I was taking that and that kind of, it helped stabilize my mood, but it also 
acted almost as a block against spiritual and emotional experiences. Like watching certain movies didn't get me emotional like it used to, or, you know, I just wasn't receptive to. Isn't it weird that we like, okay, we have this natural thing that could help with anxiety, which is mushrooms. And if you take it in small enough quantities, it could actually help you Mm -hmm. in larger quantities. It can actually give you kind of a spiritual experience. Right. Right. But we call that for some reason bad, but then we take a pharmaceutical drug to try to get the same results. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it has maybe negative side effects rather than potentially positive side effects. Yeah. And there's probably just something taboo from, you know, I guess certain (laughs) political pushes or, um, I don't know. I I would say it's, I would say it's a societal thing. I think it's, I think it's for sure a societal thing. I think we, um, label, give things labels, Mm -hmm. uh, and that are pushed onto us by other people and industries and governments and whatever. Yeah. And then we just kind of buy into them. Yeah. Uh, And, and I think that's what, if we step back and and I'm big onto this is step back and look at the principle behind anything Mm -hmm. with the humility that I think that's where the, this spirit, as I would say, manifests like okay the wholesomeness i was talking about before if you just look at like okay what's the principle behind this and it seemed like when i step back and look at the principle behind the lexapro versus the mushrooms uh the lexapro it's like okay the principle i was helping me stabilize my emotion emotions so i wasn't like doing crazy things with like my family or like lashing out you know or getting super depressed and et cetera, et cetera. But it also blocked my receptors to feeling the spirit or feeling the truth and seeing, and it it provided less energy for me to do the right things. Even if I wasn't doing so much like wrong things, I had less energy to do consistent, correct things. Um, So if I'm stepping back, I'm like, hmm, I'd have to balance that, that the principle of what do I want to be in this world? You know, and do I want to provide the, um, what I can without like hurting people or do I also want to provide, you know, like, do I want to even be a contributing member of society? Uh, but then I don't think the, the, how do I say that mushrooms did the same thing? I don't know what microdosing would do, but I went off the Lexapro in June around the same time I started, I did the one or the two trips on mushrooms mm-hmm. and just having those emotions come back has been awesome. And then knowing that I have to kind of counterbalance that with exercise, uh, or else I have really terrible days, um, has been uh i think it's just more rewarding though i will say i don't believe that uh, leaning on the i guess my own strength is um uh, is always the way to go it yeah. just seems more like i can value the results of exercise more than i can lexapro well there's <laughs> there is no debate really in how beneficial exercise is Right. It's yeah, hugely no, beneficial, both physically and mentally. Yeah. And I actually think spiritually as well. Um, personally, I, I you know, when we're sure. able to put ourselves through something very hard on a daily basis, like an exercise routine, especially if you're really making it a difficult exercise routine, 
like you're just getting so much benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah. You do it safely, right? Don't injure yourself, no. but make it hard. Sweat. I ha- Yeah. That's kind of the, my rule is that I have to be in pain at least a little bit during the, the exercise. Like I have to want it, it to end. Yeah. And then, you know, I can, I don't have to like do a go full David Goggins or anything crazy like that. Yeah, but, but how cool would that be? <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> <laughs> So, so have you heard, um, do you know much about ayahuasca? Yeah. I mean, I don't know tons about it, but I have a friend that, that, that did it. Do you know the origin story of ayahuasca? Uh, I heard the like second hand. So, yeah. In South I, America. Like how they, how something. they actually developed because it's a mixture. It's a concoction. It's not Dude, just I like one plant. I don't know how they discover certain things. <laughs> like so like know the mixture. And I don't, so I don't know inspired. if this, I don't know if this is that exactly true. I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't like looked into it, but this yeah. is what has been told to me. Um, the shaman, which kind of run the whole ayahuasca experience. Like you, you go and you see the shaman and they do this mixture for you. And, I don't know. And there's a lot of them. Like you have to be like naked and you end up purging. Mm-hmm. So you like throw up and like you go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like it's just like a whole experience, I've, I've heard you it, know, it can before be painful. <laughs> yeah. Before you get this like trip journey, whatever mm. it has to be negative before positive, apparently. Hmm. So some people have had really, really good experiences and some people have had really, really bad experiences. But what I've heard is that originally how they found ayahuasca and the mixture of how to do this was that some of these shaman had spiritual entities show up to them, appear to them and teach them how to make this. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's like the legend or the stories or whatever. That makes sense. I don't know how they would have discovered it otherwise. And so a lot of these, experiments. yeah, experiments, scientists, whatever, yeah. like primitive scientists, I guess. Right. Um, but apparently like these spiritual entities like taught these shaman how to do this. And I always wonder because I'm a skeptic. If you believe in God and you believe in the devil and you believe in poltergeist and you believe in angels, right. who were these spiritual yeah, entities? Who were, they? were they on like the side That's, of wholesomeness and righteousness or right. were they on the side of like, we're going to deceive a few people and try to lead them down this path of, yeah. of, making them think this is good, but it's not actually good. And that's, this is what I would say. And it's, it's hard to say, well, it's up to the person, you know, or it's like relative truth, but to an extent, there's some actual truth. I would say wholesomeness truth to that. And that, that I, I just personally found that even with the mushroom, um, psychedelics, the psilocybin, that it didn't feel for me like the same wholesomeness. But then again, I would say that when I took, say, Adderall for the first time, for me, it felt like that was what I needed. And so it had some kind of like a wholesomeness at the time because it was like that this is what you need right now in order to do what you need to do. Um, but with the yeah the mushrooms, it didn't feel like it was almost like if there was a hundred percent wholesomeness, which is just God straight from Father in heaven. It it feel it felt to me like the psilocybin wasn't fully there. It was like almost there. But for somebody else, or for somebody that does ayahuasca, maybe it was 
you know, fully from God, but I, I would suggest that not everybody, in fact, maybe a majority of people don't need those things. Yeah. I think you have to be very, (laughs) I think you have to be very cognizant of where you are in life as a person and why you would be doing one thing or another. Yeah. Like not everybody needs medication. Yeah. And, but it goes back to what you were saying. The put, what are you putting your faith into? Yeah. Uh, we all put our faith into something. Atheists put their faith into something. Anybody, if they're, they're believing that something is providing say oxygen and they're breathing mm-hmm. that they're not providing oxygen. So they're putting their faith into something, uh, out there, whatever it is. And, uh, I don't know. I just, it seems like that alone can provide, um, you you can be humble and seeking the, the origin of whatever provided you life or, or seeking something else that isn't that, that provided life. Yeah. 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 It kind of goes back to my thing of everything has a purpose. And I think you have to be very aware of what, you intend for that purpose to be, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I really do think that some of these things are medicines that can address certain issues and they shouldn't be abused. You know? So if you feel like they could help you right. in some degree, then sure. Use them. Yeah. But don't abuse them. You know, if you don't need it, don't, don't do it. Like, I really do think that's a really good principle right. to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's, it's pretty easy, at least for me. And I think anybody with like an addictive personality, they say addictive personality. Uh, but anybody that is similar to me can easily replace, uh, their God, like with some kind of golden image, you know, I can easily replace it with like even Adderall or like other, other activities that, you know, that just make me feel almost like an imitation of the wholesomeness I'm looking for. But uh, it's not like the real wholesomeness that I find after working and trying to connect with the the provider of life. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to know more about your experiences with both your Tourette's and just some of the, the things that you've gone through in life mm-hmm. and how those have helped shape you um, and how you see the world today. Because that's not like an easy thing to deal with. Yeah. You know, like you said, you've been trying to deal with it. It's a form of OCD um, perhaps. And you take some of these medications for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I do have Tourette's, it's a very mild form. I've never taken anything for it. You know, yeah. just kind of like, you, you also exercise probably harder like, than me, so that probably helps. Exercise, <laughs> exercise a lot. Um, yeah, I can tell. But I'm. Uh, Sean is now resting his jacked forearm on the table, uh, and his bicep has got veins <laughs> <laughs> reaching my face. That is that is not true. <laughs> um, yeah, very true. But uh, I'm just curious on how going through some of these things that you have experienced in your life, how that's helped shape your worldview and how you interact mm. with other people. Oh man. Well, it started on my mission to South America and I came back with the 
intent of getting married or hopefully hope, you know, I wanted to start a family. So you didn't have Tourette's before you were what, 20, 21. Right. I'm guessing I kind of may have had the symptoms, but I was in, I was, I ran cross country and I was in such amazing shape for like five years before my mission that I don't know if it would have developed then or not. I was also growing, but most people actually don't develop Tourette's or most people develop Tourette's in their childhood. And so I am kind of a weird exception. The NIH actually studied my brain because of that. Like oh. they flew me out there to study really? why I would develop Tourette's in my adulthood versus Is not. it something that they can actually see in the brain? Like, is there, a, is there something that is observable? Um, the origin of it, they can't observe because I think that goes down back to what we talked about before the, you know, receptor, the, the, um, the fact that psychology is not really something we can study. It's not like it's like metaphysics, the spiritual world. What are we going to just like say, this is yeah. concrete evidence versus not. So that it's, it is a psychological thing, but they can study what's happening to my brain when I'm under like when I'm in uncomfortable positions like they did it a was it a CAT scan I can't remember what it was on my brain MRI and that's very uncomfortable because you have to hold still mm. <laughs> which is an irony when I was in there but that they, they were able to see what parts of my brain were experiencing more stress because of the Tourette's and so they can see what it's doing to the brain but it, I don't I'm pretty sure that they can't see where it originates, if that makes sense, because that has to do with the values and the upbringing of the person. And I wanted to be such a, like a well-balanced person and not atrophy in any way that I was like, that's why I think that I have a particular certain twitches, whereas other people have their twitches that may I don't know, like reflect whatever they value. Now, if I remember right, isn't that about the time that your parents got a divorce as well? Yeah. uh, So they were going through a divorce, like right after my mission till I was 26. Okay. So it was like six years of five years of. Do you think that that had anything to do with this development as well? Is just that added stress, family stress? I think, I think so. I think it added this, it, put on my shoulders an even greater need to control and be even more balanced of a man, you know? Um, and that for me was like, I've got to control my world, which I'm kind of grateful for that it, it manifested in this way instead of like actually working because like, had I been like under the impression that I was actually in control of like my life and like uh, certain things like say getting married or me, you know, finding the right job or other, you know, there's a lot of things that are in our control and other things that are out of our control. But for the most part, I I kind of feel like God and life just provide. And for the most part, most people aren't grateful for the things that come into their life because most things that are good just come in there it's almost like they didn't choose that if that makes mm, sense interesting so uh yeah i think it, it exaggerated my tourettes but also because of that it allowed me to see that i, I i'm powerless over 
Tourette's and a bunch of other stuff because of all that added stress with my parents. So do you think that has interrupted your dating life? Cause you had mentioned, you're like, yeah, I wanted to get married. I wanted to come home, start a family. Mm, yeah. And do you think that's something that has hindered that? Yeah. At all? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that it's less to do with um, the actual twitching and more to do with the energy that I feel like I have to expend socially. So I'm not super embarrassed. Is that hard to be social at this point? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it gets harder anyway when you get older, like in your 30s. So I'm 35 and I'm not married (laughs) and I haven't really been close. So (laughs) I don't think it had much to do i'm not embarrassed by like people seeing that i'm twitching i'm not it's not like a social thing in fact i kind of make fun of it and a lot of people think it's endearing and so so i feel like that's fine it's more of a um i want to i want to make people feel like i'm paying attention to them and when i'm twitchy and such i feel like i'm not letting them know that as well as like it drains my energy socially Mm. just to, even if I am fine with them knowing that I'm twitching, it's, uh, it drains my energy socially. So I just don't feel the motivation to go to social events and meet people and to be interactive at work or at church or anything else. I oftentimes, will isolate because I don't have the energy, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think that that's led to, I think this isn't, this isn't the majority of the reason why I am not married, but it it could be a big chunk because of quantity. A contributing factor. It's a contributing factor because I'm not the, the amount of people I'm meeting and networking with and asking out on dates interpersonally is a lot less than most people. Um, Now, that being said, I think there's a bunch of other factors why I'm not married, maybe some fears surrounding what I saw my parents go through and other things. To be fair, I think this is something that just our society is having a very difficult time with. Yeah, and and I, I thought it would get slightly easier, but it's actually just gotten harder and harder, and it's not because of the Tourette's. The Tourette's might have been at the beginning, but it's just getting harder to date. (laughs) <laughs> just as as you get older in, in general, yeah as you get older and then also the the methodology of meeting people with like it's just a lot of shallowness right now oh interesting yeah. dating apps and whatever else I think dating apps are probably one of the worst things that could have happened to single people <laughs> yeah I really do like no, I, it's, it's true it, like I've I've never I haven't liked somebody off a, a dating app really like I I, I mean I met my I met I met my wife on a dating app, which no, is, that's which is the great. majority of people that I know now. Like my brother met his wife on a dating app and my cousins and everybody. But, but I but. do think very similar to the car analogy mm-hmm. and very similar to like the whole psilocybin versus like prayerful meditation, you know, conscious thing. I think when you meet somebody on a dating app versus making the effort to actually like get to know somebody in real life and ask them out on a date mm-hmm. and build a relationship that way, I think it's different. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either way, no matter what, if you're somebody that wants to date and get married and stay married, it's going to always require like the in, in-person effort and getting to yeah. know them long-term, spending a lot of quality time. And I feel like the dating apps, it's like, so are we romantically compatible? Go in there, first date, and then it's like, no, maybe not. And I just haven't, I mean, the the looking back on anybody that I've actually genuinely liked to the point where I'm like, I really, really like her. It's always just been like, I see her consistently, daily, on you know, and I learned to like her that way. And that being said, I don't think I could, I like what you've done and like what my brother has done. You meet on a dating app and then you can do that after. Yeah. But the premise is hard because it's just hard. like so quick. Yeah. yeah. No, like with, with my wife, I always tell people it was a slow burn. I describe it as a, uh, oh, yeah. she made you as a crock burn. pot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, was, that was good. I, because I was it's, it's like we, you know, we met and we enjoyed one another's company and we just became really good friends and we would just spend a lot of time together and did for, we dated three years, you know? And it was just like, it gradually grew more romantic as it went. Mm-hmm. But initially it was just like, we enjoyed one another's company and we just like kept doing things together and kept that door open. I think that's, that's the difference between Loren and other women that I've been friends with in my single years uh-huh. is that that door was always shut. It's like, Oh, we're friends. There's going to be no romantic interest uh, here yeah. on one of our parts. Right. Um, but with me and Loren, it was initially we're like, yeah, this could work out. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if it will or won't, but I enjoy, you know, seeing you. So let's just go and, yeah. you know, enjoy our time together. And you're both willing to do that. Yeah. And like, so we kept <laughs> yeah. the door open. And mm. I think that was like the difference Yeah, that I can point to in this relationship versus previous ones. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it brought you back to like how it used to be. Yeah. You know, well, like in the nineties, I guess. I <laughs> think know, what also helped is that she had, was going through a divorce when I met her. Right. Like she was separated from her husband her divorce was almost complete and I was just like, well, definitely yeah. get that done before, you know, anything starts. And then it's like, even after that was done, it was just like, well, you're freshly out of a marriage. Like yeah. your divorce was just finalized. Let's just kind of take this easy, you know? And so it was kind of one of those things where we had to go slow and we had to just let things evolve because I wanted to give her time to, uh, not rebound, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. give her time to just like stabilize herself emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I was in a good spot as well to be able to support her in doing that. And it gave me time to evaluate the relationship for what it was, mm-hmm. you know, and build a strong. And yeah. so no, was, it was kind of like, yeah, by how much you like patience you showed waiting, et cetera. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was interesting. It was, uh, it was cool though that she, she wasn't like shutting it out though, either. Like you said, left it open because that's what I don't see often. It seems like one or the other is like, okay, let's make it happen or nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah, I, I really, I think that was the difference. I think if you can consciously leave the door open, like you're like, Hey, there's nothing necessarily here right now, but I'm not shutting that door. Like, it's not like there won't be something here. Mm -hmm. Like, 
we enjoy our time together right now. It's just not the right time for us to be romantically involved mm-hmm. to a certain degree. It's like, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You know, timing is like huge in building relationships. People have to be on the same page and it may take time for them to get to that page together. Right. Right. And so, yeah, even if two yeah. people are totally compatible, they could be just on different pages. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said there because it's not like humans and all what makes us complex change alongside dating apps. We're still human beings that have to take certain things slow and get, and get to know each other and serve. I mean, it's like what a lot of older couples will say by the end of their life. Now they really love their spouse. You know, it's like they thought they loved them then, but now they really love them, you know, after a lifetime of, you know, some altruistic living. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought of you the other day when I was just like I was I was with a friend of mine and then my wife was off with her um, work on a. On a, you know, a a trip Mm -hmm. down somewhere and uh, and then my mother-in-law was watching my daughter. And so I was able to go off with a friend and then he had a, another girl in the car and we went and saw the solar eclipse. Oh yeah. And it was fun. Nice. And so I was talking to this girl and I was like, what's your dating life? Like, what are you doing? And she was telling me about like these guys that she's dating. And it's like, those guys are terrible. Like, why are you, <laughs> why are you dating them? Like, <laughs> it's obviously not going to work out with how she was describing yeah. them. Right. Yeah. And she knew that. And she's just like, yeah, they're, I call them placeholders. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess that's one way to spend your time. It's like, but you should be going out with guys that, I mean, I say should, like anybody should do anything I tell them to do. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like, I believe, from your perspective, I believe be from beneficial. my perspective, yeah. it's good to spend your time with people who you would actually want to be with. Right. You know, yeah. versus a placeholder who you have no intention on doing anything yeah. with in the future. That's what, yeah, for me, that that's, that's what makes it really hard to socialize. Oftentimes, like my Tourette's just acts up when I'm with people that I feel like there's no future with. Oh, uh, so that so it get gets really tough because I'm like, here. dude, I got to get out of here. Like it doesn't feel right to be here, but sometimes that somebody knows somebody and somebody else knows somebody, but yeah, yeah. I wouldn't ever do the placeholder thing. Yeah. That's no, no. And I mean, I think she knows hopefully. that too. I yeah. think she's just like, yeah, I know I shouldn't do that, but you know, I don't have anything else right now. So whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's, yeah, it's good to be it's, nice to people, I guess, but <laughs> it's hard. It's hard though. It's like, you're not in somebody's life. Like they are doing the best they can. And it's right. hard. It's really hard to judge where they're at because you don't know, like that's a really difficult thing that we as people do is we judge people based on our experience rather than theirs. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I mean, I have a lot of opinions about this, this subject because <clears throat> how, Quickly, people, I feel, and you don't seem like one of these that because you lasted quite a long time as a single person, but how quickly people forget what it was like after they get married, you know, to to find somebody. And that's why I like to say, you know, it's like I would hope that I can remember these experiences after I get married so that I can remain grateful that God gave me something that I could take advantage of. I don't I don't think I'm going to. Just it's like the helicopter coming to save the people on the roof, you know, that whole analogy story. And yep. um, 
I still have to make the choice to accept the gift that God gives, but he still is the one that gives everybody their spouse, you know, in reality. It's not like yeah. everybody goes about and like, I conjured this woman out of nowhere. I see and it that, was all me. <laughs> I see it as a miracle because yeah. people are, people are so very unique. When you get to know somebody on an individual basis, you realize how unique that person is. Mm -hmm. And all of their idiosyncrasies, all of their individual preferences, and to find somebody <laughs> who can match miracle. up with them. It just blows my mind. It's like a miracle. It yeah. really is. Yeah. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that people make this happen. But then you hear about things like arranged marriages. And it's like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like they don't have a choice, so they just make it work. Yeah. But that's that is their choice. Like they have to like either make it work or live in misery. Right. And so, right. yeah, they're going to do what they can to make it work. Yeah. That's what's interesting. I mean, like there's not a huge difference between happiness from what I've heard no. uh, between arranged and not arranged. The that's only difference is that in our Western society, since we don't have arranged marriages, I don't know if it would be possible for me to have an arranged marriage, just knowing that I have the option of choice. But either way, at the end of the day, it's my choice to take what has been given and yep. what's been given. It doesn't it's not that much different from, say, India, like they're they're given somebody by maybe you could say their parents arrangement. But either way, somebody was given somebody and you can choose to do with that person what you will. Yeah, I'm a huge believer in mindset. Like yeah. any situation, you can choose to find the good in it or the bad in it. And this is where checklists become really problematic. Yes. Yeah. Is because people are like, well, I want somebody, a partner with X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but when push comes to shove, does X, Y, and Z all really matter that much? Sometimes it does. It, it's like not that great. Yeah. Like I've, I've found that I, I thought I'd be like, oh, I need it. Back in the day, I was like, I want a skier girl. Like somebody who sure. skis. Somebody who skis. And now I'm like. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Like sometimes you're, you're more compatible with people that don't do the same things as you. Yeah. You know, I am I would say the, the biggest thing to look for is, you know, it seems like the feeling and like, does this person give me energy to do the right thing? Or do they suck the energy away from me and do I not want to do the right things around them? I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that seems to me what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like, it's like with friends too. I think it's the same thing. It's like, does this person make me want to be a better version of myself? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good thing. Yeah. Like, that's a good litmus test. Right, I agree. If you want to be around somebody, it's like they motivate you. They're happy for you when things go well, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. Yeah. they make you want to actually do something rather than sit on the couch and play video games or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or they don't like suck your energy or make you feel like totally isolated or misunderstood. You know I mean, but there's I, a lot of people that I feel like even no matter how long I'm around them, I still feel alone. <laughs> yeah. And those wouldn't be what I would say my, are my friends. They're probably good people. I just, they're not my friends. Yeah. Even though, even though people, I, I do believe it's a miracle that people actually get together and like create this relationship that they choose to say forever to. Mm -hmm. I also think that people negate a lot of potential relationships mm -hmm. because 
of one or two things that don't really matter. Right. I think that happens all the time. I I think, uh, looking back, I've actually said no to, I I would say two, two women that I could have, it could have worked, you know? And that's, that's actually a good chunk. I mean, like given the miracle of it all. (laughs) No, that's great. And it's great that you're able to see that too. But I, yeah, I don't think I, uh, took advantage of what I could have, but who knows why I didn't, you know, I I was fearful at the time. Timing. Yeah. Same (laughs) page. (laughs) Yeah. Lessons learned. Maybe I can, ultimately, I'm sure I'll be grateful that I wasn't in like the best uh, mindset or fearful, you know, because maybe my wife will be the best ever, but you know, I don't know. (laughs) So right now in your life, what are you working toward? What are you doing? That's a good question. We were, I was talking about that with my brother today and texted my dad on the way here. Um, on your well, motorcycle? On my motorcycle, I guess, uh, right before I left <laughs> on my motorcycle here uh, before it gets... You're going to have a chilly ride it's home, gonna man. It's going to be we probably, yeah. I didn't realize, like, it's colder up here, but once you get on I-15, it's pretty warm right now. Do you have gloves? I don't have gloves, but it, it'll, it'll maybe be I'll, fine. Maybe I'll lend you some. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I forgot what... Oh, where am I going? Yeah, what, it, yeah. yeah, what are you working on? Yeah, I was talking about that with my brother because I am kind of at a crossroads of do I want to go full in on what I like to do with like real estate stuff because I I like doing real estate do you have your real estate license no more like the just investment properties and improving them like I'll show you later with just the place that I bought five years ago is like totally a different place now it's actually crazy I gotta come down to see it yeah you should come check it out in person but um or should I continue and, and, and I, I am getting the impression that I should continue doing the animation, um, motion design work. Um, but I just have to put in a bit more effort into making it a, I guess, full on career. I sometimes like going back to the marriage thing, I think I've kind of lollygagged not, not so, that's not the right word. I've put in a ton of effort in order to like for the purpose of impressing a woman and getting married (laughs) in and when that doesn't yield results after 35 years it's kind of like i'm kind of been conditioned to see that maybe that doesn't work and so what am i doing um i guess for I don't know what is God suggesting that I do rather than like a result that I'm looking for. So this is, a, this, this is, is actually a weird something question I, that I'm <laughs> I, this is something I really believe in. Yeah. Um, is you are better off pursuing what you need to do for yourself and then allowing people into your life that help you along that path mm-hmm. versus doing what, you perceive as other that other people find valuable yeah and 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 this is where i am grateful that i've that i found like the powerlessness of certain things like when my parents were divorcing or the tourettes and such because it has actually forced me to just do the only things that i can do and those are the things that i actually enjoy which are like creative stuff making videos and then working hard on property projects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so luckily I feel like I've been ushered into that. Had I not had these like physiological issues, I I might've been like 
well, I'm going to do whatever impresses a woman, you know, hedge funds or something that I'm not actually naturally inclined to, you know, just because it's like, I'll make money and then she'll be impressed. But it's like, yeah, I, I feel lucky in that regard. And now that I'm kind of in that mode of, okay, this might not yield result, the results that I was seeking before. Um, what I think, I'm not, uh, I'm answering your question with a kind of a bigger, I don't know than what I'm actually doing, but the, the projection that I have or the trajectory is, is likely to get even better at the motion graphics and, and continue to make, um, video that is educational as well as like inspiring for people Mm. and yeah, just helps the world in that regard. So because I can, I think it's really interesting to me to find, to see very difficult to conceptualize or understand topics and put them into a format that everybody can understand. You can definitely, you can definitely use that for, you know, very specific purposes. Mm-hmm. So if you really wanted to like, if you have a message that you want to get out there or if you want to promote a certain brand or whatever, like you could really use that skill set to garner a lot of attention. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've already been in that space. It's just, do I want to take it to the next level? Yeah. And how long I ago did you stop your uh, climbing holds business? Because you oh, yeah. were you were making these climbing holds, which mm-hmm. you know you what make out of foam. You carve them out of foam, and then yep. you would use that as a mold to do the plastic mm-hmm. holds. Yeah, I I sold that in twenty nineteen. Okay, so, so it wasn't four that years ago? Uh, yeah, it was four years ago. I sold it to a couple of guys out in Boulder, Colorado. Cool, and yeah, it was good. I. I actually really enjoyed doing that, but the this is why I got into the motion design uh, more or put my efforts and energy into the motion design is because I that's what I liked about building the business. It wasn't scaling it. It was like the creation of the products and the creation of like many marketing material, like videos. I just, <laughs> so I just saw how... That's probably what I should be focused on. I saw how like excited you got with your different themes you know yeah. like the one i can think of is the clock mm-hmm. like you had like this whole theme on time yeah yeah you i get like really into that kind of stuff this like theoretical climbing physics. hold that looked like a, a kind of a deranged clock mm. in a way you know oh yeah well i did some uh, salvador dolly i think that was right before i left your house uh it's like a salvador dolly depiction three-dimensionally yeah. and then i did like a two um black holes colliding and what that would do to the space to space time yeah those kind of things are intriguing to me but i realize it's not the business side that i'm so interested in it's the creative side the creative side to show like check this out here's a new way of seeing it and that's what motion design is essentially so which is really cool that's fun that's cool that you found that too oh yeah Dude, it's like sometimes I I look at like my life stepping back and I'm like, dude, I have like some really like 
if, if, if I were to say this person has like a cool life that, you know, that, and he's actually making money doing it, mine is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, like seriously, seriously. So I'm not an I mean, accountant pushing numbers all the time, you know, <laughs> and maybe that's cool to people. But it doesn't it, seem that cool to me. It's really so. easy to look at a life like in it and say, oh crap, I have Tourette's. I'm single. I'm 35. Like yeah. all this stuff that you could be yeah. negative Nancy on. Or you could be like, you know, I have so much time to work on things that I really love to do. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely talented at doing these creative pursuits. I've gotten really good at it. I have some great relationships in my life. It may not be like totally extroverted in parties all the time, but like there are some people that I can really count on, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can look at this in such like a positive way. And I think you should, because I think you have an awesome life and I think you have an awesome skill set and you're a great person. Thank you. Um, But that's kind of what I mean by like the whole mindset thing. It's like where you choose to focus is essentially the direction of your life. If you choose to focus on like the negatives, Mm -hmm. the things that you could feel bad about your life, Mm -hmm. I think your your life is going to go in a negative direction. If you choose to focus on like what, things are really great about your life. Yeah. I think you're going to continue to trend in that positive direction. It's it's amazing. Those, those two are the biggest things. It's like you're grateful or not grateful. And that's like happiness or not happiness. Yeah. It like pivots on the gratitude. And I feel lucky because I have a propensity for gratitude. Yeah. And, but what I have a weakness with is kind of an opposite of it, which is I, I can get hopeless. And so that's something I'm working on. But yeah, gratitude is, is key. Gives me hope when I'm, grati- when I'm grateful. Yeah, I feel like, I feel I like that is the antidote easy. to your hopelessness is gratitude. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like it has to be, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. Because if I'm grateful, happiness comes. And then with happiness comes productivity. And then I am doing things. I'm engaged. When I feel, this is my personal experience, when I'm engaged and focused on anything but myself, I'm actually pretty happy. Like there's not really room to be unhappy if you're not even thinking about yourself. Yeah. So kind of makes perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was, I was thinking about, I was having an argument today with someone. Um, and we were talking about food and it was about desserts and that, and I'm like, you know, desserts are a net negative. Like we yeah. eat them, yeah, but we know that we would be better off twitch, not right? eating them. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that we'd be better off not eating a piece of chocolate cake. Right. Like it's not helping you in any way. Right. To, to be a happier, healthier, uh, people feel can get better, off on, you know, the nuance of the semantics of well, what makes me but, feel happy for yeah, like a split second. Yeah. Exactly. It's immediate <laughs> instant gratification, but it doesn't actually do you any good. Right. And I was like kind of explaining my, my thoughts on this and I'm like, it's a net negative. It's not really good. And they're like, no, you can't like label it that way. And then people feel guilty for eating them. And like, it's an unhealthy relationship with food. I'm like, well, <laughs> you should have an unhealthy relationship with unhealthy food, you know, like, (laughs) like just stay away from it out of your life. You know, it's like, I I would teach my kid to not smoke cigarettes. I teach my kid to not drink alcohol because it's not good. I'd also teach my kid, if you're going to eat a dessert, try to find a dessert with some nutritional value. 
rather than like Skittles that have like, it's like basically poison that you're eating. And so, you know, like they're terrible for you. And so I'm just like thinking about it. Where was I going with that? I don't even know. Colorful glue. But yeah, we want to have a healthy relationship with healthy food or just with food in general. What were we talking about right before that? uh, You were having an argument with, well, Oh, what I was talking about was the gratitude versus the hopelessness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's like, okay, so something sparked this, this memory of, of what happened today with, when you said that, but uh, it's like, if you can think, oh yeah, if you can think I can be grateful for, and I can really enjoy healthy and nutritious food and food that is actual food rather than like chemicals and dyes and like this conglomeration of fats and sugars that are hyper palatable who <laughs> that are super addictive and weaponized to try to get me addicted to them. Right. Yeah. You know, which they are. Oh, it's uh, more addicting than cocaine. So it's sugar. So people use that as like a way to feel some amount of pleasure with mm-hmm. food, mm-hmm. but it's like, but really, you can feel pleasure with better food. And it's a longer lasting pleasure. It's yeah. not just like an instant gratification thing. It's like, no, this will actually make me feel good and it'll be fuel for my body. Right. Um, that's the same thing, I think, with this whole gratitude thing. Yeah. Is the what more am you, I holding on to? What am I digesting yeah, men- mentally? Mentally. Yeah. The more you time you give to gratitude and the more time you allow it to, you know take hold within yourself, the mm-hmm. more joy it gives back to you yeah. and longer lasting joy as well versus yeah. versus instant pleasures that then is kind of like a, a glucose spike and yeah, like spikes way up spike and then and it, it crashes, crashes yeah. you know, and then you're hopeless because it's like, well, I felt really good in the instant, but now I don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can get conditioned to think, well, I need more of that thing that gave me a high, but in reality, go without it for longer and then gradually you get healthier and healthier and you feel better. That is how addiction starts. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's, it's interesting how, I don't know, brain chemistry can lead to certain, um, hopeless feelings versus grateful feelings. But what I feel like I need to do personally is at, take advantage of gratitude when anytime it comes and just do it more and more and more. Mm. Because if I am grateful more and more, it cre- and this is what I've actually, from what I understand in neuroscience, it's scientifically proven that you can create neural pathways almost like, almost like ski, like a ski run after a fresh snowfall. You can over and over, create these neural pathways that either create like moguls of despair or moguls of gratitude, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And like, you know, after a week of no snow, there's going to be a rut. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, if you're trained so hard to, to be grateful all the time, then it is a lot easier to fall into that, that dip of gratitude versus the dip of, despair or ungrateful new behaviors and new ways of thinking are only hard until they become part of 
your routine. Yeah. And what yeah, you do. It's, it's, it's beginning and that, that first initial, yeah, the carving it's, is, it's actually really harder difficult. for me to not exercise every day than it is to exercise every day. Dude, it's becoming that way just recently for me. Yeah. And it's probably because I'll go off and on, but yeah, like somebody consistent man, like you are, it's, <laughs> it's probably like, it has to be part of your routine or else yeah. you notice a difference. It's, it's like become a part of who I am. Yeah. I just have to like go and do something physically difficult, mm-hmm. you know, make myself sweat. I'm, well, I'm that way with freezing showers. Like it feels, ah, it feels You've weird. been doing that before it was cool. I was doing that since my mission because I think there was one area we had that there was no hot water. Yeah. And I recognized how much better I felt throughout the day. Yeah. Because it's like a slow release of dopamine, apparently. Yeah. When you take cold showers or plunges. I have a tub out back. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's awesome, man. We can go do it if you want. Well, no, you got to go. Uh, you got to ride back, ride on, a back on the motor. There's a certain <laughs> level of unhealthy cold. <laughs> I don't want to get frostbite. But yeah, no, I, I feel like if I don't take a cold shower, it just feels bad. Like yep. the rest of the day. And it's not even like that I'm fearing feeling bad. It's I feel good taking mm-hmm. it. And most people aren't like that, but you know, just don't feel bad about it. If you're a listener, I just have Tourette's. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. it does. It does make you feel good. I can attest. Yeah. Okay. Two questions and we'll end. These are deep. These are deep questions. All right. Um, well, they can be. Why are you alive? And like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. What would you die for? Those are the two questions. Oh man, this is good. I am here, I believe, and this is a deep answer, because I chose to be alive on earth. That's that's giving you a lot of power over your life. That's cool, actually. I love that. Thank you. I actually believe that a lot of my life circumstances are because I chose them. Not, Not in the conventional sense of like, you're where you are because you got there on your, like, I've, I feel like, and this isn't like any sort of doctrine of any religion, but I feel like I chose before this life to experience certain hardships and certain good ships, <laughs> uh, based off of what I value at my core, my soul. And so I believe I'm here because I, I chose to be, um, but the means to get me here don't seem to be from me. I mean, I, you know, my parents chose <laughs> to bring me here and then God, I believe, sent me here, you know, whatever metaphysical or, you know, multidimensional sphere that needed to be crossed got me here yeah. on immortality. But uh, I believe ultimately I wanted to experience this life. Um, with all its obstacles and ups and downs. And then what would I die for was your other question? Yeah. What I would die for, I believe, well, my brother, you know, my family, um, I think because also I chose to be with them on that level. And um, I would die for you know, the good principles that we share. So. I love that. Yeah. Beautiful answers. Thank you. Love those. Appreciate it. This was great, man. 
Yeah, it was good. Really enjoyed that. Thank you. It was a good conversation. Yeah, it was. Time flew by. Yeah, I hope. Uh, yeah, when do you? Well, I'll ask no. after. But thank yeah. you. No, it'll be out in a couple of weeks. But we'll uh, we'll end it there. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm.